Check, check. What's going on, Journey family? How you guys feeling this morning? Better than first service. I like it. Uh, I always want to start by giving it up for our worship team, people leading us in worship, both on stage and off stage. Shout out to the folks behind the tech booth this morning. Uh, I got to stand in worship with my wife and my three-year-old daughter for the first time in like a year, Uh, and that's not a small thing, so thank you guys for uh, letting me branch out and do something a little bit different. If we haven't met, my name's Gary. I'm the worship pastor here, and uh, I always consider it a big deal to preach the Word of God. It's not something that I I take lightly, Um, although, if I'm honest, it is probably one of my two favorite things to talk about, Uh, the other obviously being uh, pop culture stuff, comic books, video games, anime, movies, etc. Um, and on the subject of comic book movies, I would say that right now we're kind of living in this like post-golden age of like superhero movies. You know, uh, over the last 15 years or so, we've had some phenomenal uh, movies based on superheroes, most of them from Marvel Studios. But to this day, I will argue that one of the greatest superhero movies ever made was a movie called The Incredibles. You guys remember this? Remember this? It's a Pixar movie from, check it out, 2004. Ugh. But if you haven't watched, this is a great movie. Sit down and watch this with your family tonight if you haven't seen it. It still holds up great even 20 years later, which is nuts to say. But The Incredibles tells the story of a super-powered family that's like hiding out in the suburbs. The mom, Helen, and the dad, Bob, are retired superheroes, and they had to hang up their tights and their masks. Not capes, though. No capes. Um, And now they're just doing their best to live like a normal life. And it's especially hard on the dad, who's formerly Mr. Incredible, one of the greatest heroes around, who is now struggling to work like a mundane eight-to-five job. I mean, this is a guy who was used to saving the city from, like, aliens and monsters and supervillains, and now he's reduced to sitting at a desk helping people with their insurance. And it's a massive bummer perfectly summarized by this picture of him on the job during another boring day. So, why am I talking to you about The Incredibles? My question to you is this. Is that you? When you look at Mr. Incredibles' face at his desk right now, is that how you feel when you're sitting at your desk at work or at school or when you're in the kitchen, making dinner, or when you're on the bus ride home, or wherever you might be. Because I feel like the truth is we all kind of feel like that sometimes, just kind of done, just kind of cloudy. Today we're wrapping up our sermon series uh, called The Forecast. It's all about uh, how understanding how our emotional uh, environment, if you will, inside, can affect our relationships. And so we've talked about kind of being blown around by the winds of your insecurities, if you remember that. And we've talked about uh, the storms that dump buckets of conflict in our relationships. And for this last entry today, the subject that I was given from Chad was the forecast is cloudy. And I got to be honest, I had kind of a hard time with that at first, because I didn't want to just repeat stuff that had already been said, but then it hit me. Let's do this. I want everybody to close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. (laughs) 
And I want you to picture a cloudy day. And I don't mean cloudy like it's actually really sunny and nice with just like a few clouds breaking up the sky. I'm talking about cloudy like a gray, gloomy, overcast day, kind of like today actually, where the color and everything just feels kind of muted. You know, where the world is this heavy and lifeless, that kind of cloudy. Got it in your minds? Open your eyes. That is what this face feels like. Cloudy soul days. Cloudy soul days are what I call the big blah, right? It's when you're just kind of bummed out for no reason. Like nothing's wrong, everybody's okay, but it's one of those days when you wake up and you're just kind of not feeling it, you know what I mean? Maybe it's what you had for dinner the night before, or maybe you had a dream that kind of freaked you out. Maybe, um, you know, there's something coming up later in the week that you're kind of dreading, so it's like subconsciously messing with you, you know? Maybe you spent the weekend hanging out with old friends, kind of catching up and remembering the good old days. But then Monday morning rolls back around and you're back to your routine. That's a cloudy soul day to me, where our spiritual and our emotional forecast is just blah. Like for whatever reason or for no reason at all, your soul is a, a colorless, suffocating sky that casts just the right amount of bummer over everything that you don't really feel like doing anything. You guys with me? Does that make sense? Cloudy soul days can be a lot of things, but for me, it's usually the, the routine, the mundane, the, the onslaught of the ordinary that just wears you down and you're just cloudy in here. This is what I want to close our, our forecast series by talking about today, because I choose to believe that I cannot be the only person who feels like this. And I always want to preach sermons that I feel like I've never heard but kind of needed. And I don't think we talk about this much in church. I've never heard a sermon about coping with this, like, persistent kind of blahness. Have you? I feel like this is important. So I hope that you guys will, will engage with me this morning. I hope this encourages you. And I hope that you'll find that, check it out, God is still right there, even in the midst of our overcast seasons. So if you're ready to explore some new territory this morning, say, let's do it. Amen. So first, I want to offer a couple of warnings, okay, about why I think it's important for us to pay attention to our cloudy days. And the first reason I think that we kind of need to be aware of when we're feeling this way is so that it doesn't lead to something worse. Because the thing about clouds, cloudy days, is that can actually lead to all kinds of weather stuff, right? Like clouds can lead to wind, or clouds can lead to storms, or clouds can lead to snow. You know what snow clouds look like? Or it can just blow over and be sunny and be fine again. So being mindful of our blahness of soul can keep it from giving way to something worse. And here's what I mean. Earlier in this series, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, uh, Chad was up here preaching uh, from Genesis chapter 4. It's the story of Cain and Abel. Some of you guys were here for that. And in Genesis 4, starting at verse 7, he said this, but if you do not, this is God talking, he says, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And in some translations, that last part says you must master it. 
Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. I think we need to rule over or take control of our cloudy soul day so that it doesn't lead us into a more extreme weather condition. And what I mean by that is so that that tension that we feel inside doesn't blow up into angry storms or so that the winds of our insecurities are, that are blowing don't spiral out of control into an anxiety attack or so that that heaviness that we feel doesn't coalesce into real sadness and collapse into full-on depression. Does that make any sense? Because what's annoying about cloudy days to me is it's like, well, is it going to rain or not, right? Is it going to snow or not? Is something going to happen? Do I need to change my plans or not? Cloudy feels like sort of waiting for something to change in your life, waiting for something to give, and it never does. And so you're just kind of stuck in this like tepid, sterile, uh, lifeless funk. And for me, I know myself very well at this point. And when I feel like this, my first instinct is to do something kind of extreme to shake myself out of it. I get so desperate to feel something again. I get so uh, impatient to make this numbness go away that I will say or do things that I never would ordinarily. And in the past, that has led me into some pretty not great decisions. So we need to watch out for our cloudy days. It may not be as dramatic of a feeling as being angry or being upset or being fearful, but don't sleep on cloudy because how many of y'all know underestimating something is a great way to make it worse? If you're with me, say amen. amen. The other reason we need to be cautious of our overcast days is because of the long-term effect it can have on our spiritual health. Uh, I want to read you something. This is from the book of Revelation, starting at chapter 3. It'll be on the screen. Uh, and in verse 15, it says this, God says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am going to spit you out of my mouth, as in I'm going to vomit you out, as in you make me sick. I know your deeds, and I wish that you were either cold or hot, but because you are lukewarm, you make me sick. Now, for the record, in that passage in the Bible, God is talking through the prophet John to a very specific community of people about very specific things. However, the reason I bring that up is because I don't think any of us are above, listen to me, becoming lukewarm in our faith. And the danger of having too many cloudy days in a row is, check this out, cloudy days can lead to seasons of cloudy, and seasons of cloudy can form habits of apathy and patterns of indifference. And if that's allowed to fester for long enough, then I think it can cause our passion for the things of God to atrophy. If you live cloudy for long enough, one day you might find that the default setting on your spiritual life is, eh, whatever. Look at Matthew chapter 5. We're going to go in verse 13. This is Jesus talking, and he says, You are the salt of the earth, 
But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I think it's possible to live so long in a place of emotional and spiritual cloudiness that you no longer care about responding to the things that God calls us to. And God calls us to care very much about the world around us, right? That's a given. We're called to look after widows and care for orphans. We're called to look to the needs of our brothers and our sisters and our neighbors. We're called, we're expected to be the hands and feet of Christ. But if we allow ourselves to simmer too long in emotional lukewarmness, if we just live cloudy for long enough, then I feel like it can damage our ability to connect and engage. I wonder if anybody here this morning or watching online, hi, by the way, has been living cloudy for too long and needs to wake up. If that's you this morning, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, consider this your wake-up call, okay? God cares too much about you. He's done way too much for you. Jesus paid it all, just like we just sang about a little while ago, for you to shuffle through life looking like this. That is disrespectful to the God who made you, who saved you, and who offers you abundant life. Go check out John 10.10. Look it up. And it's time to wake up. Now, let me be clear again. Everybody feels like this sometimes. I get that. But if this is your, like, ongoing reality, if you feel like this more often than not, we might maybe need to look into that. I say again, everybody feels like this sometimes. And I know we don't talk about it in church much. But here's the thing. If you think that the Bible was written so long ago that the folks in these pages could never relate to how you and I feel today, let me introduce you to the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> right smack in the middle of the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes was commonly thought to be written by uh, King Solomon the son of King David, a.k.a. one of the goats of the Bible. For the record, that's goat-like greatest of all time and not goat-like sheeps and herds and wool coats and things. Although David used to hang out with those guys too. Um, but if you got your Bibles with you and you want to meet me in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, we're going to read a good chunk of this today. And I have a very simple uh, point that I want to make with this. If you think that our lives are so different from biblical times, that the folks in these pages can't relate, check this out. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, right in verse 1. We're just going to read this down. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless. Meaningless. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and it turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. 
To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? Nope. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. And yet, I could go on and on reading this chapter, but A, I, I got to cut it someplace, and B, like, you get it, right? You get, like, are you guys tracking with me? Does this sound familiar to anybody else? Does this sound like thoughts that you've had? Does this conjure like a familiar feeling of, of tedium? Anybody who thinks the Bible is too old or out of touch to be relevant is like doing it wrong. But look at this. He says everything is meaningless. And I'm the kind of person, uh, I enjoy uh, comparing different translations of the Bible. I think there's, there's value in that. This word, meaningless, in the King James translation, it's vanity. Everything is vanity. Or some of your Bibles use the word futility. The Common English Bible, or the CEB, translates it as perfectly pointless. And finally, in the Message uh, Bible, which normally isn't my favorite, but this time it's all right. The beginning of this same chapter in Ecclesiastes 1 is, is phrased like this. Smoke, nothing but smoke. There's nothing to anything. It's all smoke. Cheery guy, King Solomon. Now look, if one of the greatest figures in the Bible and one of the most famous kings in history had so many cloudy rinse and repeat days that he would characterize all of life as meaningless... I think you and I are in good company. It's okay. The question is, what do we do? How do you battle the big blah? How can we drive out the emotional and spiritual clouds in our souls and bring back sunny skies? Well, the answer, unsurprisingly, is Jesus. But don't take my word for it. Let's hear what the word of God says. I, I jump around a lot in scripture, but it, I guess it's fine. Uh, um, Psalm 121. Thank you, Heather. Uh, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's do another one. Psalm 42. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in who? For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Let's do one more. This is a verse I come back to all the time. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. What do you say we read this one out loud? You ready? Here we go. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I would like to offer today three practical steps on how we can battle the big blah and drive away the clouds. And the first step is this. Remember who God is. Remember who God is. When you're feeling blah, when you're feeling that inescapable ho-humness, take some time out of your day, make some time really, and remind yourself 
who God is. Go back to basics on this incredible God that we claim to believe in. Go back to his word and read through some of your favorite scriptures and some of your favorite passages in the Bible. This is assuming, by the way, that you've spent enough time yourself in the word over the years to have favorite passages and scriptures. That's kind of a given at this point. If not, maybe start there. Um, but go back to the word and, and read these things that have been meaningful to you in your life. If you have a prayer notebook or journal or somewhere that, that you've been keeping notes from past sermons or books that you've read, go back and review those notes and remember who God is and what he's done for you. Here's a big one. Call back to memory the milestones that you have marked in your journey of faith. What are the wonders and the miracles that God has worked in your individual life? What's he done for you? You can even go back to some of the, the hard things, the awful, the ugly things. It's okay to do that as long as you focus on how God brought you through that. You remember when you were so low you could barely move and he picked you up? You remember when he sent just the right person at just the right time to speak into your life? You remember when you were so lonely that it was like a tangible thing and then God did just that little thing that nobody else will ever understand just to remind you that you weren't alone. You remember that time you had no idea how you were going to pay for that or how you were going to meet that financial commitment or how you were going to meet that need and God showed up exactly when you needed him to. What are the milestones of faith that you have marked in your life? On those days when you're feeling the cloudy, go back and remind yourself who God is by revisiting those milestones. And listen, if you don't do that, if you haven't marked any like milestones in your life, I encourage you to start now. This is like the new school 2023 version of when people would build an altar to the Lord in the Old Testament to remember what he's done. From now on, if God does something big in your life, do something to remember that. Write it down wherever you keep important information. Mark it on your calendar. Set a reminder so that every year you can look back and be reminded that's the day that God came through for me. Social media does this thing um, where they'll show you pictures that you posted from like years ago, you know, and sometimes it's like a happy thing and sometimes it's like, ugh, right? But I feel like the idea is sound. If God does something big in your life, take a picture of something or take a selfie and save those in a folder called something like God moments or victories in Christ or great is his faithfulness. Keep a record. Mark your milestones. If you don't do that already, I encourage you to start now because I'm here to tell you one day, not too long from now, you might just need to be able to look back and go, Oh, yeah, that's who my God is. If you're still awake, say amen. amen. You do that and you'll have an easy cheat code to drive away the cloudiness when it shows up. And that way, those things turn into worship. Which leads me to step number two. Simply this. Sing. Sing. Maybe I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that I'm super biased, but I believe a hundred thousand percent, listen to me, 
that one of the best ways for us to live our lives is by singing our way through it. I will die on this hill. I am firmly persuaded that there is power and value and dare I say magic in music and specifically in our ability to sing songs. It is a gift from God. It is the original instrument. It's something every single person can do regardless of your musical talent or what language you speak, whether you have perfect pitch or whether you couldn't catch a note with a softball glove, whether your voice sounds like Beyonce or whether your voice sounds like Chewbacca. <laughs> I don't care if you have a voice, sing something, anything, all the time, everywhere. It's something I keep coming back to all the time in worship, how important it is that we, the journey, are a singing church. What makes a worship service? It's not us getting up here singing at you guys. It's harder than it looks, but that's not the thing. What makes a worship service is when you guys, the people of God, open up your mouths and lift your voice, and when we declare these truths together, I have never seen anything else that can so unite a group of people in thought and in spirit and intention. Everybody singing the same words, thinking the same idea on the same beat at the same time. It's just magic. There is power in our song. A singing church is a spiritual force and it just makes God grin from ear to ear. If you're with me, say amen. amen. So sing your way out. If you get hit with a case of the cloudies, and it's shutting down your soul, sing your way out. Wherever you may be, it's something you can always do. Find your favorite worship songs that declare the identity and the greatness of God and sing your way out. I'm going to say something potentially uh, controversial here. Don't send me angry emails but because uh, I won't read them. But I'm going to say it doesn't necessarily have to be worship songs. Music is a blessing. Find something and sing it. What music makes you happy? What songs speak to your soul? Is it country music? Is it jazz? Is it classic Motown? Is it classic rock? What is your jam? Tell me. I genuinely want to know. What's your song? On, on the count of three, everybody just shout out your song or your artist or your band or your genre or whatever. What is your jam? Tell me on the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> I love preaching. This is so fun. Um, I can tell you guys my default, what I go for it's not Hillsong, it's not Mercy Me, it's not Kirk Franklin, it's not C.C. Winans. I like all of that stuff. But you know what I reach for when I need to get happy? Jackson 5. That's what my soul sounds like. And I'm not going to apologize for that. It just makes me happy. It just puts me in a good mood. Jackson 5 and, and Stevie Wonder. Those things just bless me in my spirit. And I think that's okay. When you get jumped by the cloudies, and your soul is gray, find the music you need, find the song for the moment, and sing your way out. Now, of course, music that is based on spiritual truth 
that's rooted in the word of God that declares the identity and the work of Christ is extremely important. We have worship music for a reason, and sometimes nothing else will do, right? But I feel like as long as it's not something, a song that the content or the lyrics is like pulling you away from God, or it's like poisoning your mind or like hurting you, somehow, sing whatever, whatever is life-giving, whatever ministers to you in that moment, sing your way out. If you're not asleep yet, say, we're still here. The third and final step or tip for combating uh, the cloudy soul days, I would say, is just to tell somebody. Just tell somebody. It's okay to go to a friend or a spouse or a coworker that you trust and just say, I'm having kind of a cloudy day. You know, I'm, I'm a little blah today. The big blah has got me today. You can kind of phrase that however you want. But the thing is, most of the time when we talk to people and they say, hey, how are you? What do we always say out of habit? I'm fine, right? But it's okay to not be fine. It's okay to be honest and just tell somebody what you're feeling, just so somebody else there knows what's going on with you. Even if that knee-jerk response comes out, I'm fine, can I challenge you to be honest enough and honorable enough to follow that up with, but I don't mind being honest that I've got kind of a case of the cloudies today, or whatever. You can frame that however is appropriate, but then you're not all by yourself underneath your cloudy sky. There's somebody there with you. And now that you guys are talking about it, you can talk your way out of it. You can say, you know what? Let's talk about something fun. Or tell me something I don't know. Or let's go someplace new for lunch today. If it's appropriate, the situation, the person, you can say, hey, can you pray for me? Hey, can we pray right now? Oh, you don't know what I mean by a cloudy soul day? Let me tell you about my church. One of our pastors preached a sermon recently about the big blah and how it's something we all struggle with. You can go all kinds of places with that, but just calling it out and talking about it sometimes is enough to make a difference. Now, there's something really important that I maybe should have said earlier. Depending on how severe your cloudy season is and how long you've been there, it might be necessary to talk to somebody like a professional, you know? Again, everybody feels like this sometimes, but if you feel like this more often than not, if you're stuck in this place and it's like an ongoing thing, it might be necessary to talk to somebody who is licensed and experienced in helping people get through this stuff. And if you've been here at The Journey for any length of time, you know, we talk a lot about counseling. We're all about counseling here. It's something that we believe in very much. I'm not going to rehash all of that right now. But if that is something that you are interested in, you can email office at thejourneynova.org and they can make it really, really easy for you to get uh, connected with somebody in that way. Because a lot of the stuff that I've been talking about today can also be like signs of early depression and, and some other stuff. So if that's you, if you feel like your cloudiness has been there for like a year or something, then maybe that's something that can help you. And there's no shame in that. We encourage you to do that. But when you're dealing with those gray overcast days, tell somebody about it. You can even text somebody. We all have phones today, right? 
Send a text message out to your people and be like, hey, I'm having one of those days. Can you pray for me? Raise your hand if you know that just knowing somebody is praying for you can make a difference in your day. When your crew gets back to you, when your girls, your group of girlfriends or your guys Bible study or your life group or whoever, they hit you back and they're like, I got you. We got your back. We're praying. The blessing that that can be. And then when you go back and do those first couple of steps that I mentioned, when you start remembering and celebrating who God is in your life, when you find the right song for the moment and start singing your way out of it with the confidence that your people someplace are praying for you and have your back, man, you want to talk about driving out the cloudiness in your soul? You do that, and before you know it, your sound, your song, your soul turns into this right here. I can see clearly now the rain has gone, right? I can see all obstacles in my way. You guys remember that, right? Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be what? It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. You see what I'm talking about? That's what I'm talking about. That exact thing right there. How is that not magic? <laughs> Let me get out of here. One last thing and I'm done. <laughs> Thank you for coming to church today, by the way. Um, so earlier we were reading the beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes, right? The great teacher, the wise king over Jerusalem. And this guy's opening statement was about how circular and meaningless life had become. That's how the book started, but we never found out kind of where he ended up with all that. So I actually want to close up with this. At the very end of Ecclesiastes, all the way at the end of the last chapter, here is how his lecture on life concludes. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. We sincerely hope that this forecast series has been a blessing to you guys. We hope that you've learned something from it. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we hope it's given you some good conversations to have in your life groups and stuff. And I hope personally that you are glad that you came to church today or you're glad that you tuned in online. But I want to challenge you guys by sending you out with these words from the great teacher. Fear God and keep his commandments because this is the duty of all mankind. Whether we wake up in the morning filled with passion for the day or whether we wake up and the big blah is so heavy we can barely get out of bed. At the end of the day, we have a job to do. Make disciples. There are lives that need saving. There are people who need you. God has put you in their life, you, for a reason. And we cannot allow our feelings or our blahness to stand in our way. It might not be easy, and it might mean that we've got some stuff to work through, just like Mr. Incredible from earlier, who, spoiler alert, finally does uh, get it together with the rest of his family. By the end of that movie, these guys figure out how to kind of integrate 
the ordinary aspects of their lives with this incredible calling that they have. They find a way to live in that tension of what the director of the movie calls the mundane and the fantastic. Maybe we can too. Let's pray. God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for putting up with us. And we thank you, God, for the reality that clouds don't change the sun. It's always there whether we can see it, whether we can feel it or not, just like you. So God, help us to make the decisions and take the practical steps so that all the time, everywhere, we are singing your praise because you are a God that deserves that. Help us to worship our way out of the cloudies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.